It's time to go to uh, Andrew Catalan of CBS. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us here on Iron Sports. Uh, Iris got a lot for you, but I've got something to start this off. So I guess it was like a month ago, five weeks ago. I'm on my couch and I'm watching an NFC game, Andrew, and I hear your voice in the going on doing the play-by-play and I was like what the heck is going on here you did a great job like you always do but I wanted to know is it a little different for you procedure wise doing an all NFC game and also doing a game that was broadcast for Amazon yeah well guys first of all thanks for having me back on I appreciate it and yes it is a little strange when you see teams that you don't get to call regularly I mean I feel like I've built a pretty good rapport with a lot of the coaches and players in the AFC, and it's not that there's anything against the NFC, but as you know, on CBS, we predominantly see the AFC compared to the NFC. So the Amazon game was a really neat thing. I mean, it was something new and different, and um, I've seen Arizona. I had them against the Dolphins, actually, which was a great game earlier this year, and I also have had San Francisco in the past, so it it wasn't like they were strangers to me, but the whole experience was unique, and then who knows what the NFL decides to do with an Amazon type going forward, but it was nice to be a part of it. Well, you sound just as good doing an NFC West game as you do an AFC. So great job, Andrew. I appreciate that. What do you got, I? Well, I guess, Andrew, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, It's amazing that coaches now, it it used to be when it's fourth down, you punt the ball. And and when you go, when you score a touchdown, you kick an extra point. But it seems like the two-point conversion has totally confused the coaches now because they're certainly going for it. We're not going for it. And those becomes the questions. And now the going for, not going for on fourth down has become the issues. I guess when you're talking to these coaches, is it is this something that's coming up? Because clearly Matt LaFleur, Sean McDermott is being criticized for their decision-making, whether they go for a field goal or go for it on fourth down or clearly the two-point conversions. No, that's a great point, Ira. And I think the game has changed first and foremost in many ways. But first of all, we're just seeing more points. I mean, I believe this is one of the highest scoring seasons in NFL history. And I think that kind of changes the whole I'll just go for the extra point, uh, you know, specific to the Bills game yesterday. You know, they, they couldn't settle for field goals and expect to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It just wasn't going to happen. And the other thing, too, is they, they really do rely on analytics a lot more, which, you know, I, I, I've warmed up to and I understand it. But I still think as a head coach, you need to go with your gut more times than not. And what is your gut telling you? And I know they all have a chart and they all get in their ear, oh, if you do this, it gives you a 20% better chance to, to win. I get all that. But there's times when you got to just listen to your heart, know your football knowledge and wisdom. And to me, like, you know, that was a perfect example in the Green Bay game yesterday. Maybe the analytics were closer, slightly better by – you know, what, with what LaFleur did. But, you know, you're down at the goal line. you got to score a touchdown. I would have just gone for it. I think a lot of people felt the same way. Yeah, in terms of what – in terms of Tampa Bay, the ability – you know, you've worked with these coaches throughout the year. I love how you – in fact, you talk to them. I mean, they really haven't had the practices. They haven't had everything get together. So the excuse building, Brady had to build an excuse. I don't have OTAs. I don't have training camp. I'm going to a brand new team. But to somehow galvanize this team as the season goes on without the practicing, that's almost more impressive than even his great throws that he throws in a game. I think we spoke about this, but teams that had continuity and veteran leadership were poised to be there at the end. And I think that really played out. I mean, in the end, the Bills, they have great leadership. They made it to the AFC Championship game. I, in your instance, Brady, yes, new team, new parts around them. But you know, I just got the sense in, in following this team throughout the years, I'm sure you guys did as well, is that Brady had everything under control. And I think when people play with Tom Brady, 
there's a sense of calm knowing that he's going to take charge and he is our leader. And I think that served well in a season like this where so much of practices, even during the season, were virtual and with Zoom meetings and there wasn't a lot of practice time. I feel like you rely on your leaders in situations like this. And I think you got two great leaders that have made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, Patrick Mahomes certainly doesn't have the age of Brady, but he has quickly emerged as one of the better leaders in the NFL. And then going back to the, the Packers uh, game, at the in that third quarter when Brady when Rodgers has the ball three times in that fourth quarter and then Shaq Barrett gets the sacks and Pierre Paul and the pressure, Devin White, I mean, Todd Bowles called a great game. I mean, it just it seemed like that's when the Buccaneers defense was able to stop Aaron Rodgers. And you're waiting for this classic Aaron Rodgers score two touchdowns, take over that fourth quarter, and that's when the Buccaneers defense came up strong and Aaron Rodgers made started to wasn't as sharp as Aaron Rodgers is during the rest of the season. Yeah, you know, credit the Tampa Bay defense because I had that feeling, as I'm sure you did as well, that, all right, Rodgers is going to come down the field and lead him to a victory. And, you know, I hate going back to this. I know this has been a, a popular take today, but it's really not a second guess. It's a first guess. I mean, think about how many people got on the Packers back in the draft for drafting a quarterback in the first round. I mean, you think back to all of the available players that they had to pick from there that could have helped in a situation like yesterday, whether it be a receiver, whether it be a lineman or a linebacker on defense. And you look at the back at the draft and you think about the players that they could have had, and you can't help but wonder what kind of impact that could have made in yesterday's game. And I hate pointing back to that, but I think it's a valid point. And I think that's why so many people were critical of the Packers back during draft time. You've got a quarterback in his prime, one of the best of all time, give him some weapons to help him out for the playoffs, and they came up short in the end yesterday. And do you think when Aaron said, well, I don't know what my future is and those things, I mean, clearly he wants to be back with the Packers, and clearly the Packers want him back and, and make another run at this. I, I can't imagine this thing would just, be, just because they don't go in fourth down, uh, would blow up the entire situation in, in Green Bay. And, 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 of course, no one's seen Jordan Love. I, I don't even know if he was on the sidelines for the game. So I just think that, I mean, you, you, you're expecting the Packers to be back with Rodgers next year. It would be hard to see him in a different uniform. I do feel that there is some type of disconnect. I think it goes back to the draft when Rodgers you know, saw a quarterback get drafted. Whether or not that disconnect is big enough to create a separation, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that. But I also got to take with a grain of salt what a, someone says after an emotional loss in the NFC Championship game. So I know yesterday his words kind of got put out there as to say, oh, what's going on here? I think that after everybody takes a deep breath, they'll really, you know, figure out what's best. I would expect that he would be back, but, you know, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks, Tom Brady, go from New England to Tampa Bay. So I certainly wouldn't rule it out, but it's hard to picture him in a different uniform. And then to, to switch gears to the Chiefs, I mean, their offense is amazing. We can talk about it forever, Tyreek Hill and, and Kelsey and Mahomes. But the defense to really, again, I, I was not sold on the Bills because they had no running game, but they but no one's been able to exploit that. No one's been able to take advantage of the fact that Bills had, but they were Tyron Matthew. They really were able to to stop the Bills. And, and how many times it was three and out and punting, doing those things to, to let the Bills, they were, they were out of the game. Yeah, I think some of that's the Bills. I mean, I, I do think Josh Allen was, you know, he had some high throws. He was a little jacked up. They didn't take advantage in the red zone. You know, those are things that the Bills, as you pointed out, did throughout the entire year, and, and it's why they made such a great run. 
Uh, but the Chiefs' defense did step up. They did make some plays. They applied some pressure on Josh Allen. Uh, they, they came up with a turnover in, in, a, in a big spot when the Bills were driving. Um, so I tip my cap to them. And, you know, I think the Chiefs are favored, you know, rightfully so in the Super Bowl. I, I, I have a hard time seeing the Tampa Bay defense slow down that Kansas City offense if it looks like it did yesterday against Buffalo. I don't think anybody can stop Kansas City's offense when they play like they did yesterday. And it's amazing because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire wasn't Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Le'Veon Bell was out of the game. Um, they have their four-string Williams or whatever, the, the other Williams. And then and they were down two, they were down one tackle and then another tackle, and still the offense is just... That's what's so amazing. I mean, I still I picked Tampa Bay. I'm still picking them. But I guess your feeling is that Kansas City is just going to win their back-to-back Super Bowls then. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a walkover. I, I think it's a great matchup. And I certainly think that the, the, the injury to Fisher, the tackle, the offensive tackle for the Chiefs yesterday, is a big loss. They've had some big injuries up front. It just seems, though, when Patrick Mahomes is making plays like he did yesterday, that they're almost impossible to stop. Now, I'm sure that Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles, who, as you pointed out, had a great game yesterday for Tampa Bay, I'm sure that they're going to come up with a great game plan. I expect this to be a good game. But I just see, I just see if the Kansas City's offense is rolling, it's just so it's so hard to stop them. I mean, they, they, when Mahomes is improvising like that, making throws, underhand, sidearm, on the run, I don't know what kind of game plan can stop that. We're talking to Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports. Uh, Jumping gears in terms of switching gears again to the name. We're down here in South Florida in Miami, and we hear Deshaun Watson in the news. I don't know. If, did you do a Houston game this year? Uh, I'm not sure if you did, but uh, what? Yeah, I did. It. I had him a few times. Oh, okay. what did you sense that this this? I mean, this friction. I mean, he had just signed the contract going into this year. I know they had a change of coaches during the year, but uh, certainly everything broke down at the end of the year. And, and to even think that uh, Deshaun Watson is the beginning of the of his contract, uh, 25 years old, 40 touchdowns, everything like that would then demand. A trade, uh, I think it's still surprising considering that he just signed the contract a year ago. Yeah, so I can't personally speak to, you know, doing their games and sensing any friction by any means. I never got that impression, but you read all the articles that have come out in, towards the end of the season and after the year about, you know, some of the problems in that building, and, and you know, it's hard to ignore that. Uh, there's, there's, there's some very good writers who have put together some, there's some very intri- uh, compelling stories. And maybe that I believe there's probably some truth to it. Now, Deshaun Watson, to me, is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. I mean, you've already uh, had some brutal trades if you're Houston. I mean, the, the, the DeAndre Hopkins trade look, looks bad. The Miami trade, as you guys know, you guys were rooting against them the whole year. That, that <laughs> looks bad. So, I mean, if you're going to trade Deshaun Watson, I mean, you've got to get uh, a big, big haul. But... To me, that is the last thing you want to do with this guy. Not only is he a top-five quarterback, but he's an incredible guy in the community. He's a team leader. He's, he's, um, he's everything you want for the face of your franchise. And those guys don't come around all the time. Trust me. So, you know, I, I would hope that Houston can figure out a way to mend the fence and, and keep him happy because to let him go, I think, 
you know, unless you're telling me you're getting something crazy in return, I think it would be a big mistake to cut bait with Deshaun. Yeah, and I'm thinking that if they hire Bami uh, or Leslie Frazier, who he talks about that he would prefer as a coach who's on the short list for those coaches, that, I mean, he doesn't interact with the general manager. I mean, you're a, you're a coach, as much as you talk to people in there, it, it seems like his interaction on a day-to-day basis would be the coach. If it's a good relationship with the coach, um, that should be enough to keep him there and keep him happy because how many? I mean, most players don't talk to the general managers on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think there's some truth to that. It just seems like it goes deeper than that. If you read the Sports Illustrated article and some of the other things that have come out about it, it just seems like there's you know, some, some bigger issues right now in that building, and you hope they get it corrected because I've been in that stadium when they're winning games, and J.J. Watt has got the crowd going crazy, and Watson's making plays on the run, and that's a fun place to be when they're winning. But it, it was not this year, and they'll be the first to tell you that. And you know, They have a new general manager, as you point out, and He's obviously got a good pedigree coming from New England, but they got to hope that, that he can make everybody happy. And you know, they've got salary cap problems. They don't have the draft pick as it's in Miami. I think it's going to be a, a long haul uh, for Houston to get back on track. But I believe that you still got to do it with Deshaun Watson. And I want to give credit to that, I guess, the South Florida fans, because they really have a, re- a very level-headed approach to Tua. Like, they're sort of like, he was good, not great, whatever. But I mean, when you talk to fans, it's not like, oh, no, they're so, they're, they don't, they don't want to they don't want to get rid of him, but they also are not, so they, they almost wait and see. Let's see what happens. Um, but do you think that the Dolphins themselves are going to have that patience, or is this if the right situation comes where they would trade Tua? I mean, I guess they would need Tua to trade for a Watson or whatever, but is this a situation where you think that they're going to go next year again with Tua and, uh, and, and try to to give him the wide receivers that he needs and the linemen and everything like that. Yeah, so I still believe that Tua could be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I mean, in, in talking to Brian Flores and other people in Miami, I mean, everybody wants success right away, and it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, and you point out the weapons. I mean, there wasn't on that offense. There wasn't a ton of guys that were going out there. There's not. There's not a Stephon Diggs on that team. There's not a Tyreek Hill on that team. I think they got better throughout the year. I think Mike Kosicki has a chance to be a very good tight end. Devontae Parker can still be a, a good wide receiver, but, you know, they didn't, ha- didn't really have a running back. Their offensive line was kind of in and out at times with injuries. I just think there was a lot for a lot going on offensively, and I believe that organization is going to preach patience. Brian Flores has said it as much that, you know, he's a guy that likes to develop players. He knows they're young. It was just such a strange situation because you had Ryan Fitzpatrick who was coming in and making plays. Otherwise, if it was probably any other backup quarterback in the NFL, you wouldn't be thinking much about, well, what about this guy instead? It was just Fitz had a good year and and made things happen when he got in there for the most part. So, you know, if you're telling me that, you know, the Dolphins are presented with a situation where they can get Deshaun Watson and have to include two in the trade, yeah, I can see that (laughs) happening. But other than that, I think that they're going to ride with Tua and, and try to get, get him some good players around him offensively to really help him out. And one quarterback, and I, my mom made a comment about this. He goes, Matthew Stafford. He goes, oh, that's the guy that plays on Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> this Matthew Stafford's known to, from Detroit Lions is known just to play the one game of the year, and he doesn't really play the rest of the year, even though he certainly plays every 16 games. He's been doing it for, like, 11 years now. But I think he's the wild card. Certainly Detroit's now said we're going to give him, let him out. He's only owed $20 million a year, which is, for quarterbacks, not that much. He could be the difference maker for an Indy or for a New England. And what's your sense about Stafford and, and what team will, will want him the most and try to get him to the team? I think Indy makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Frank Wright, to me, is one of the best coaches in the NFL. 
And if I was a quarterback, I would jump in a heartbeat to go play for him. Um, so I could definitely see the, the Matthew Stafford there now that Rivers has retired being a really good fit. And I think Matthew Stafford needs to go to a, go to a team that's you know on the cusp of winning. I, I don't think, you know, I've heard Denver. You know, I wouldn't give up on Drew Locke just yet. Uh, I think that Drew Locke has a chance to still be a good quarterback. And I don't know if Matthew Stafford is going to be the one that takes Denver to a Super Bowl next year either. So, you know, I could see Indy being a really good fit. New England's a good possibility throughout their era. I mean, obviously they're in the quarterback market. Does Bill Belichick think that it's worth it to take a chance on Stafford? I mean, I think when you get Matthew Stafford on your team, you're going to get a veteran guy who knows how to play the position. He's very smart and still has a lot left in his arm. I think he's going to be hungry. He's had so many losing seasons, as you point out. And this is a guy that wants a chance to try to make a run in the playoffs. So I would target Indy as a, as a really good match, but there's certainly going to be other teams that will be in the market for him as well. And one last question. Um, we've covered Tampa Bay. We've covered Miami. we got another team down here in Florida. And I'm amazed. They're, the Jaguars, I start to see some Jaguar hats out. The Urban Meyer hat and the Trevor Lawrence, that pairing has I mean, it hasn't been announced to Trevor Lawrence, but it, it's, it has really energized. I mean, when you start seeing people wear the jerseys and the shirts, and what jerseys? I don't see the Lawrence jersey, but sort of Maurice Jones-Drew jersey. <laughs> um, what's the feeling in the league about Urban Meyer? I mean, it's just like he's a, been a college guy. He really hasn't been in the pros. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's been a college guy his whole career. Um, what's the feeling from the NFL people about his ability to step in and, uh, and run this uh, team? Well, Urban Meyer's no dummy because, you know, he didn't have to come back to coaching if he didn't want to. Uh, he had a good job over there at Fox, and he's accomplished so much in his coaching career. But it's a very appealing job, both as head coach and general manager. I mean, you're getting everyone who be- believes, uh, you know, a, a game-changer at quarterback. They've got a ton of salary cap money. They've got a lot of draft picks. I mean, this is, this is a, something that you can really build quickly. And, again, if Urban Meyer didn't see that, there's no way that he would have back and, and, and taken this job. So I would expect that Jacksonville has a chance to turn this thing around in a hurry. I mean, it's not like they were completely bare. They do have some good players. I mean, Miles Jack had under the radar one of the best seasons of any linebacker in the NFL this year. Uh, they have some guys that can make plays, but they're going to add a whole bunch more this offseason. I'm not expecting them to you know, necessarily make a huge run in, uh, next year, but, but look out for this team down the road, and, and I think that Urban Meyer has a chance to have a lot of success there. And before we let you go, I just the one question was, Phillip Rivers, Hall of Famer or not Hall of Famer? I lean towards yes, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I just... He's obviously got all the numbers, and, and, you know, if you look at the stats, he's worthy just on that alone. I know people will point to the playoffs and lack thereof of the Super Bowl, but, you know, when I look at Phillip Rivers, and I call the number of his games going back to when he was in San Diego, he changed the game. I mean, he, he, the way that he attacked the line of scrimmage and called out defenses and audibled, he was a game changer. He he was ahead of his time in, in doing some of that stuff. I, I think that he, you know, changed the position in some ways. And then you can certainly point to Peyton Manning and the way that he controlled the line of scrimmage as well. But you know, Rivers was the ultimate gamer. He's got all the stats, and I would I would say that he yes should be in the Hall of Fame. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're going to be covering golf for the rest of the year, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us this football insight on Iron Sports. So thanks a lot, Andrew, for coming on. All right, guys. Have a great night.